There's been another terrorist attack, a report on Benghazi, and the dump Trump movement is still kind of a thing. We'll cover all this and your feedback in this episode of The Briefcase. This is Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you Ritual for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. All right, Sarah, we wanted to talk today uh, briefly, unfortunately, about another terrorist attack in Turkey. Three suicide bombers attacked an airport. 41 people died. Uh, That's the toll at the time we're recording. More than 230 are injured. And as of today, this is uh, late Wednesday, no one has claimed responsibility, but ISIS is suspected. And it was another major coordinated attack. I believe there were, like you said, three suicide bombers, and it happened at the airport entrance. I haven't seen, had time to really dive into exactly what happened, but obviously our thoughts and hearts are with the people of Turkey right now. You know, I saw some analysis this morning as far as what this means in the United States, and there was a lot of discussion about how in an attempt to make our airports safer, 
we're also making them a little bit more dangerous because our security checkpoints create these huge crowds of people. That's so true. So the risk of entering the airport is as dangerous, perhaps more so than getting into the airport after you you get through that security checkpoint. The other piece of analysis that I've seen about this is it's sort of, in a strange way, it helps the United States relationship with Turkey a bit. We have Turkey as one of our NATO allies, but it's been a frustrating and tumultuous relationship. And the statements from Turkish leadership today, it sounds like Turkey is really seeing this as a a moment to stand in solidarity with the West against ISIS. Another point that we need to be mindful of here is that Muslims are the victims of ISIS as well. Most of the people killed and injured in the attack today were Muslims. And I think that point gets lost when we think of this as radical Islam versus the rest of the world. And then the final thing that I thought about is, and I'm not the original thinker of this, I'm sure lots of people have posted it, but, you know, we don't see the kind of expressions of sorrow and support for the people of Turkey that we've seen around other attacks in the world. And I'm particularly thinking of Paris. And Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot to reflect on in that in terms of how we value life and how we see the world. And if we are truly to defeat ISIS, I think we have to value the lives in the Middle East as much as we do the lives in Western Europe and the United States. And that's just going to take a lot of time and a lot of work and a lot of honesty on our parts. But I hate that this happened. I'm, I'm fearful that there will be more of this. And I'm not sure what the answer is. Yeah, me neither. I think it is such a difficult, weird discussion to have about getting attention on social media. I'm, I mean, I think it's important. I think it's a good discussion to have, but I don't really know if there's some great conclusion we can reach that can make us all feel better. No, I mean, I think the the question is just, do, do we care about this? And if we don't, what does that mean about our policy in the Middle East? Yeah. So I know what doesn't solve this, which would be $7 million congressional investigations. Oh, man. But it's over. So there's a report. I hope it's over. The eighth Benghazi investigation has concluded. There's an 800-page report. We are promised a report from the minority of the committee as well. And then I hear there's going to be a bonus report from two Republicans who think that the majority report didn't attack Hillary Clinton hard enough. I mean, I mean. There's plenty of paper, plenty of ink being spilt here. And money spent. I mean, to me, here's where I am. The question is not who do we blame, but what can we learn? Mm. And we should be learning a lot from Benghazi, not even just about the attack, but about Libya in general and what are the effects of our policy in Libya. All, you know, Benghazi didn't happen in a vacuum. So I think systemically there's a lot to be learned about our administration, our military, our congressional funding for efforts to secure spaces in countries like Libya, the intervention and lack of intervention and intervention again that we did there. I mean, there there's a lot of important stuff that seems to just get buried in partisan bickering. I've said to you before, I was over this committee when I realized that the Republicans on the committee had a Twitter handle. I couldn't <laughs> believe that was a real thing. I mean, the cynic in me says they don't want to learn anything from this. This was, ex- I mean, wasn't somebody caught saying... That what this was about was just trying to attack her? 
Yes. Yeah. Somebody was caught admitting this is what this was about. It's villainization on one side and vindication on the other. And no one seems to be saying, hey, how could we make this not happen again? Hey, listen, small victories. I had a text exchange with my very conservative father and I got, well, I'm not going to support her, but I'll stop talking about Benghazi. And you know what? I'm going to take that as a win. I'm going to take it as a win. I guess that's okay. I mean, she had this sort of unfortunate, Hillary Clinton had the unfortunate statement of it's time to move on, which is, I understand the sentiment, but is is probably not the most effective and helpful way to talk about this. I would just love to have people say, I hate that this happened. Yeah, but she said that six ways to Sunday in 11 hours of her testimony. She has, but you never want to be in front of a microphone saying it's time to move on about dead Americans, right? I mean, you you just don't. And I'm not demonizing her about that. I'm just saying I think that the best way to talk about this would just be what can we learn? She's the perfect person to do that because I believe in every fiber of my being that she is sick that this happened and that she has learned from it and will apply the things that she's learned. I think you could say move on in a way that's respectful to the family. I think you could say move on and stop tearing the story and these families apart over and over and over again and let them move on. Let all of us move on and, you know, sort of treat these deaths with the respect they deserve instead of propping them up for partisan purposes for years at a time. That kind of leads me to the question that I have about this. Is Congress the right body to review these kinds of matters? And, and if not, what alternatives do we have? Well, we did. They were the seventh person to study it. There were other people. Am I wrong? I mean, there were other bodies looking into this. That's the ridiculous part. Do we think that Congress should have this investigative function or should that always be delegated? I think that's an interesting question because on the one hand, you would count on Congress as a representative of the people to look into matters. But when you see all of the special committees and all of the investigations that Congress wastes tremendous time Mm -hmm. and money on. And I'm not, I can't point to a lot of outcomes from those investigations that seem to make the cost benefit analysis work. I don't know. I mean, I think that in our current hyper partisan polarized environment, the answer to that question is a no. Yeah, I think, I think it might be too. Now what that no means, I'm not sure. Right. Because we don't want a law that says Congress can't do an investigation. Just more as a practical matter, I think it would be great for us to encourage our representatives to find a different way to get those questions answered. Well, before we move on to Friday feedback, we had somebody else come out with not really a report, but a forecast. 538 launched its general election forecast today. Pretty psyched. We're all shocked that you are relying on a 538 (laughs) uh, report. Um, I like to gauge my level of stress by what Nate Silvers tells me I need to stress about. And right now, I believe it is 80-20, Hillary. So I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just not going to worry about it. Like, this is, and I'm telling you, make your fun of my Nate Silvers obsession. But, like, during the primary, it's just such, okay, so I'm not saying he's a psychic. And I'm not saying we should all stop working for Hillary or any of this. All I'm saying, it is, is an excellent check on the media narrative, right? So when they wanted to keep this Bernie thing going, because they did, let's all admit, they did. I mean, there's that new report that says she had like twice the negative coverage that any him or Donald or any of the other people had during the primary. So 
when it would get that way and they would really be pushing this narrative, Bernie's not here, you know, this, this, and sort of, and I would feel myself like, I would feel my stress levels rising like, oh my gosh, is this not, I'm worried what's going to happen with her. And then I would just go to 538 and Nate Silvers would say, hey, she has an 80% chance of winning California or whatever the case may be. And then I would be like, okay, good. I'm not going to sweat this media narrative that's trying to get in my brain right now. You know what I mean? Like, it's just sort of a good barometer. I'm not saying it's perfect. He got Michigan way wrong. But I just think it's like a good gauge of like, okay, this media narrative right now is telling me that this is this horse race, but the numbers are telling me something different. Our listener, Katie, sent us an episode from Diane Rehm um, where she interviewed Jonathan Rausch from The Atlantic about his article, How American Politics Went Insane. (laughs) I was listening to it in my car today, and he made, Jonathan Rausch makes the point that of the final four candidates, so Clinton, Sanders, Trump, Cruz, he classifies three of them, all but Clinton, as political sociopaths. And his definition of that is someone who does not care about the party, does not care about the process, cares singularly about that person's agenda. And I thought it was really interesting. You know, I think that's a really inflammatory way to talk about people. And I I particularly cringed on behalf of Bernie Sanders because I think there is – I think sociopath implies a selfishness. And I understand that some Democrats view Sanders that way. I, I view him as a Republican from the outside looking in as someone who is genuine in his belief that he's doing things on behalf of other people. So, so sociopath feels really inflammatory to me. Doesn't bother me so much with respect to Cruz and Trump. But the point of this article, and, and I'm, I promise that this is related to what you said, <laughs> is that you had three people who really have disregarded all of the rules, everything Mm -hmm. we've ever known about politics. And that's not new. But what I thought was interesting from this guy's perspective is that we need the old way. We need pork so that people have things to trade on around bills. We need less transparency so that politicians can make deals that actually get things done. He talked about how in the, you know, before the hypermedia age, people were happier with their elected representatives. People Mm. liked their leaders. Now we are basically leaderless because we've deprived politicians of all the tools they used to do to get things done. Now, I don't agree with all of that, but I thought it was a really important insight and a and kind of a fascinating perspective and one that tells me that you can't really go backward. You know, we we could we could reintroduce some of those tools. But we can't really go back to a time when we didn't have this window into what people are doing. And so how do you adapt? And and that's the question for me about Hillary Clinton. I thought that would be the question for Barack Obama. And I think the, the Obama administration's answer is we're going to feed the media what we want them to have, but we're going to keep sort of the doors closed around the things that we're trying to get done. Mm-hmm. I wonder how a Hillary Clinton administration would juggle that in light of all the criticism of the lack of transparency in the Obama administration and all the criticism and, yeah, and kind of not, questions about her personally, right? Yeah, in she's terms not of trying her. to be transparent. She gets nothing but burned when she's transparent. Right. So I, I don't know. It was, I thought, a really, a really kind of fresh take on why we are where we are. Well, I've always said, I think, and I'm, I didn't make this up, I mean... 
<laughs> I've, I've heard this from other people that I now have, you know, co-opted as something I say a lot, which is I totally think that something was lost with the contract for America when all the Congress people started going back to their districts. Like, I mean, you've got people in California that fly home, like, on the reg. You know, used to they moved their families to D.C. and they lived in D.C. And while I see why on the surface that feels like they're disconnected from the people they're representing, and perhaps that was true to a certain extent, they were connected to each other. You weren't going to, you know, you were making deals with people because your kids were in the same school and you were going to dinner together and you were like living this social life. It was like a small town and you all had to work together. You know, now you have them like sleeping in their offices. They're not hanging out together. They're not making connections with each other and building relationships across the aisle, like real sort of connected relationships. And I really think something was lost at that. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day, Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. 
That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash pansy. Well, we'll move on to the Friday feedback because there's a lot of it and we're running out of time. Uh, I want to start with Avery from Maine. So Avery says, I'm a trans woman who lives in a town in central Maine, which is very close to the dividing line between the state's two congressional districts. The first election in which I voted was 2014, and I voted for Emily Kane then. In my observation and judgment of that race, she lost because of Governor LePage being at the top of the ticket, which is consistent with some of the commentary I've read, too. And Blaine Richardson's candidacy in the race, that was the third party candidate. Uh, He has filed to run again, but hasn't raised any money. Avery says we're right about the dynamic of the race, which is similar to the presidential race in terms of how gender and age centered it is. Uh, She's running ads that are about a new progressive future and Poliquin, the Republican, is slow to respond to the news of the day. However, we mentioned, based on articles that we had read, that in this race between Poliquin and Kane, uh, there aren't any hot-button referendums on the agenda. Avery says that's wrong, that there are a bunch, actually. So Maine is voting on legalization of recreational marijuana, which does seem to me to be one that would influence who turns out to vote, right, and the, the passion and perspective with which they're voting. Additionally, an expansion of background checks for gun sales, a minimum wage increase. They got all the things on their ballot. To $12 by 2020. A switch to the use of ranked choice voting in ballots. And an education bond issue. I mean, that's huge. And then there are uh, two other referendums, one about construction of a casino and one which would have removed protections for LGBT individuals from Maine's Human Rights Act. Those two are not appearing on the ballot because they didn't get the number of signatures. But this underscores Avery's next point, which is that grassroots political activism across the spectrum is a deep bred tradition in Maine's political culture. And I, I, that's really consistent with what I've seen about Maine. Avery recommends um, a resource to stay up and uh, up on Maine politics. So we'll link that in our show notes. But thank you so much, Avery, for sharing all this great information with us. I mean, that's a really interesting set of issues on one ballot. I'm wondering, Sarah, in light of your comments on referendums, how are you feeling about that? Well, I think that referendums are... Not necessarily a bad choice when it's sort of a cultural question, like maybe the mar- you know, the marijuana question. I mean, I think there's some that are okay when there's really not this sort of majority-minority rights at stake or sort of like budgetary things that are more complicated. Like I said, like I don't really think it's a good idea when you're like, do you want this fabulous $900 million high school? Well, yes, I do. Thank you for asking. But I think that's a... I mean, I think it's an interesting use. with. The, I think the legalization of marijuana is an interesting... And I don't really necessarily have a problem with voting on something like that. Or minimum wage is a tougher one. The ranked choice voting in ballots is fascinating. But, I mean, I'm not opposed to it across the board. I just think when it's a complicated issue that you can't really, like, get into in the course of a ballot, they become more problematic. I like it on the ranked choice voting I think that's a really good way just to ask your voters, like, how do we want to vote? I think that's really good stuff. Yeah. The rest I don't of have it, a problem with that. The rest of it concerns me. I, I I would be with you on it as a as recreational marijuana as a decent issue for a referendum, except that we haven't resolved this conflict between state and federal law. And because of that, we've got all these issues about the financial system, right? If you open a, a 
pot store, where are you going to bank? You know, and and I think there there are just still because of that tension, I feel like that's one that that ought to be more complex than a yes or no answer, because I don't think that you ought to legalize it unless you figured out how to deal with some of those issues. But I'm probably a minority on that. Very interesting stuff. Thank you very much, Avery. We really appreciate it. You want to talk about Brexit again for a second? Yeah, Lou gave us sent us a really good piece of feedback. He said that he thought our discussion was missing one key piece, that all the people who voted leave because they thought either, not all the people who voted leave thought this, but the people, some of the people who voted, who thought that Remain would win anyway and wanted to lodge a protest vote and are now regretting their decision. We all know how Sarah feels about protest votes. So that's a very good point, though. We didn't talk about people like that. And it does seem like to be like there was a substantial amount of those. And he sort of, and Lou's point was like, Beware, America. (laughs) We don't want another. I don't want to be counting hanging chads again. So just saying. Yeah. So I'm conflicted about this because I, as you know, am interested in seeing a third party grow in the United States. So I think that's different than a protest vote. I have listened to interviews with people who voted leave in Brexit, who truly thought of it as a protest vote. They thought there was absolutely no way that leave would win. And so they wanted to just express their dissatisfaction with the system generally and now are thinking maybe that was not such a great idea. To me, that is different than if you are someone who is passionate about environmental issues and you decide to vote for Jill Stein. Or if you're someone like me who, honestly, the more I learn about Gary Johnson, unconventional as he is uh, in his personality and demeanor, I, I mean... I I don't find a whole lot of areas of disagreement with him. I was watching the town hall. I DVR'd the town hall that CNN did with him and, and Bill Weld, his running mate. Chad and I watched about half of it together the other night before we fell asleep, as we tend to do. And um, I'm going to go back and finish it. But I said to Chad, I don't think these guys are libertarians at all. I think they're not crazy Republicans. You know, they were asked a question about gun regulations by someone who survived the Orlando attack. And they said, yeah, we should consider some reasonable regulations that, you know, they were asked about some of the libertarian hot button issues, drivers, licensing, things like that. And they said, yeah, of course we should have those things on military intervention. It's not we never do it. It's just that we do it reluctantly and we think it through and we recognize that we're sacrificing American lives when whenever we go mess with something happening in another country and we shouldn't do that without fully understanding it. I mean, it was just sort of like oh my gosh, these are my candidates, really. Like, not just because I hate Donald Trump, but because I really don't find areas of disagreement here. And to me, that's a different concept than a protest vote. And and I've said before, and, you know, we talked about how it probably depends on the state of the race at the time you go vote. If it looks like it's 50-50 Trump-Clinton, maybe you make a different choice. Yeah. But if it's not, it doesn't feel like a protest vote to me to go cast my ballot for someone who I really believe in, even if I know that person is unlikely to win. Yeah. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement 
and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, Whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. I, I really have a trouble... With the protest vote in the the context of Brexit, although I guess it makes sense to say, you know, sort of what that one piece said, which is there are problems with the European Union and why I don't want them to leave. And actually, though, I was thinking about this with regards to I read a thing that basically was like the European Union wants to be really firm with Britain so nobody else tries to leave. Really? That's the best approach? What if the best approach is, okay, Britain, we hear you. Let's see if we can work something out so we actually address the honest concerns people have with the European Union and try to prevent people from leaving that way. I really, uh, this like hard line they're thinking about pulling with this sort of concerns me. You know, maybe if people were protesting 
and didn't actually think you were leaving. I mean, clearly they were they they it was important enough that they have serious concerns with the European Union, which it sounds like there are like that there are serious concerns about you know representatives and their responsiveness and all these things. And so like I don't know, I hate this. We'll show you. That sounds like great leadership to me. Well, that's probably a good segue into comments that we got from Jessica on Facebook. Jessica has lived in Great Britain, loves it, and cares a lot about this issue. And she made the point that in the generational discussion, the everyone is saying, gosh, the, the older crowd has screwed over young people. And Jessica's point, which I think is a really good one, is... A vote is a vote, and we shouldn't marginalize people who are already marginalized in society in a lot of ways. And that, you know, those those opinions shouldn't be discounted just because people are over 65. And Jessica is saying this as a 25-year-old person. And I think that's a, a healthy perspective. Now, we we can still kind of question the wisdom of what happened. I'll tell you, I, I wasn't particularly passionate in our last episode because long term, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if this is the right decision or not. I don't live there. Um, I could see the European Union being wildly successful. I can also see it absolutely collapsing in the midst of any kind of conflict. I mean, if you look at what's happening in Europe right now, you have Greece that is financially imploding. You have a refugee crisis and serious disagreement among countries about how to handle that crisis. You know, every pressure in the world tends to hit Europe. And so I can see the European Union as being fragile and problematic and intrusive in some ways and, um, horribly ineffective in others. So so I get the problems. I also get why Britain pulling out in this fashion is a pretty bad idea, you know? Yeah. So, But I, I thought Jessica's point was a good one, like, we shouldn't rush to judgment. It might look bad in the short term and be the right thing in the, the long term. The other thing Jessica pointed out is that people, uh, the younger crowd in Great Britain thinks of travel free travel among European nations as a right instead of seeing it as a privilege. And that she sees that very clearly since as Americans, you know, we got to have a passport to go everywhere. We don't we don't have that right. And well, but isn't the idea that the European Union is more like the United States and I don't need a passport to go to California? Well, and I think that's the question. And and maybe people don't want that, right? Like there there's still this idea of these are sovereign nations. And, and the blurring of those lines seems to be a lot of what this is about. And that is more complex than a yes or no vote. Yeah. So I, I, I really appreciated that feedback from Jessica. Well, and I thought I just realized before we move on, we had a couple people, you know, say things on Twitter. And obviously, um, the Supreme Court released two major, well, at least one major um decision this week regarding the Texas abortion laws. They found that the trap legislation, the medical requirements that, you know, abortion clinics have admitting privileges and super wide hallways and all that um, as unconstitutional, which was a huge success for the pro-choice movement. So I just realized we should probably say something about that before we close up the show. (laughs) I mean, this is kind of another example of how we need a cable news program. And the the last thing that we were going to hit today is just this dump Trump discussion. Um, Obi, one of our listeners, I think he was in Georgia, saw a commercial targeting GOP delegates to the convention. Really? Yes. I missed that on Twitter somehow. Which is pretty amazing. And that led to a back and forth with Aaron about, is it 
you know, should we should we speak directly to delegates to these conventions? And should we have this unbinding of the Republican delegates? And and we can keep this kind of short because my honest answer is I don't know. Yeah. I really don't know. Do I have a fantasy that coming out of Cleveland, John Kasich will be our nomination? I do. A hundred percent. Yes, I will. I will admit to that. Do I think that's the right thing? Um, f- I guess the question is for whom? Yeah, seriously. And, and for, for America? For probably. what in the long term? <laughs> for America, probably. I, look, I think the Republican Party is all but dead today. Mm. I don't know that it can be salvaged. And I don't know that what salvaging looks like is kind of turning things around at the convention or honoring the will of the people who voted for Donald Trump. I I would love to know how much regret there is in in Republican primary voters, kind of the way that we're getting that information about Brexit. Brexit. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a whole lot, to be honest with you. I I think the people who were with him in the primary are, are still with him, despite everything that's happened. And so so I just I don't know. I, I don't know if the delegates should be unbound. I don't know if we should target people going into the conventions. That feels to me, I think the Jonathan Roush answer would be no, like the parties and their processes are important. And and maybe he would say that what Reince Priebus is trying to do in, you know, desperately seeking to hold all this together is is worthy is a worthy exercise. He also criticized Paul Ryan quite harshly in that interview that we alluded to um, for standing with Donald Trump. Hmm. There's just a total absence of leadership. And I think Paul Ryan is trying. But, you know, if you're a leader, and you don't have any followers. What? So it's just a it's a difficult time. And I have no idea what the answer to this problem is other than getting much more honest about it than I've heard anyone be. Well, on that note. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Briefcase on Pantsuit Politics. Follow us on Twitter at Pantsuit Politic. And we're planning a meetup in Chicago while we're there for podcast movement next week. So let us know if you're interested in coming. We're going to try to pick a place that can fit as few or as many of you that want to show up. Yeah, they'll be on July 7th. We hope to see you all there. All right. Until next time, keep it nuanced, y'all.